better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Welcome to The Real Science Podcast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. And my name is Michael Pace. This week on The Real Science Podcast, three men, three and a half men, dare <laughs> to dream. Dare to... F- <laughs> Dare to dream of getting a blowjob from a ghost, whoa, just whoa, like Dan Aykroyd. Whoa, 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 whoa! The entire time thinking, how cold is this gonna be? I don't like this. This week we watch Ghostbusters. Everyone, welcome, welcome to the ghost space. We're here in the dead zone now. Um, More like ghost pace. Oh, we. Mm. Am I right? Sean, yeah, I'm going to pass, pass the ball to you on this one. Yeah, thanks, Kenan. Uh, so we watched Ghostbusters this week, which is, mm-hmm. as everybody knows, a classic 1980-something, 84 film yep. uh, starring... Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, Sigourney, we- Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Weaver. Harold Ramis. Yes. Uh, Rick Moranis. Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. And... Yes, come on. I know you can do this. I don't remember his Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson. This is the other person, yeah. Um, William Atherton is also in it. He plays uh, the EPA guy um, who is constantly harassed by Bill Murray. Larry King is also credited in this movie. He but is in he the is movie in for he a second. Yes. I he didn't recognize him because he looked so young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Old people look a lot younger in 1984. It's crazy. It's a weird thing that happened. What what is strange? We'll cover some of that science this week while we talk about (laughs) Ghostbusters. Um, It's it's bonkers. Before we get into that, Pace, would you... uh, You do a thing each week where you actually cover some of the disclaimers that we have. Sometimes they're uh, situational for each episode. Yeah. And then you also talk about some sort of general disclaimers for our podcast. Do you think you could cover those for us real quick? Yeah, yeah. I'd be real happy to do that. That's excellent. Thank you. The the disclaimers for, for our show that we make is that we are three science science boys with mm-hmm. uh, doctors of philosophy, and what nope. we're gonna do you, is rapping or like what was this? <laughs> He's become Phil- a robot. My name is Pace, and I'm here to say I love philosophy in a major way. I hate it. Pace, please uh, continue. We're gonna we're gonna break down some of the the scientific facts of movies that you have seen, the audience that you've seen. And we're going to tell you if they're good or bad. And if they're good or bad, we'll, we'll tell you. And we're also going to use some curse words to exemplify mm-hmm. our and, and emphasis our points. That's and true. Once our points are emphasized, then you will know what we mean. Mm-hmm. That's a very good, I assume, Austin Powers reference that you're making here. Um, no, I'm just using groovy the Groovy pace. Groovy. Maybe groovy. we'll watch that for our next this episode. This movie is my bag, baby. Mm-hmm. You make me horny, baby. Yeah. Uh, so, I think he says Randy, but you know, I like uh, to break a mental sweat too. I feel like uh, I feel like Oscar he says he used the word horny if he wants, but yeah, um, I guess I, guess I, I do want to say too. I have another disclaimer. Sorry to interrupt you, Sean. Oh but, yeah, yeah. What's up? Um, there is a scene. If you want to watch this movie, there is a blowjob scene uh, <laughs> in this film. 
It is very, I want to say brief. Uh, I see what you did there. It's you very sort of brief. put the cart before the horse there, Kenan. It is very short. Um, Dan Aykroyd enjoys uh, just arousing filleting by a ghost uh, while wearing a um, a sailor's outfit. Go- you think ghost fellatio would be galatio or philost? You're um, mispronouncing galato. Gelato. That, okay, you guys, you guys, you guys have just just fucking taken this podcast and you've thrown it off the edge of a cliff. Do you want to? Do you want to bring us back, Sean? Yeah, I'm going to bring us back. How about this? Rain us in. So every episode. Uh, we go through the plot synopsis of the movie. For those of you who haven't seen Ghostbusters or mm-hmm. more likely have seen Ghostbusters and would just like a refresher of what happens. The way we do this is we roll a 20-sided die and the lowest roll has to do the plot. No, wait, the highest the roll, highest has, to roll the has to do the plot. We Fucking do this a. every week. Unless, we of course, you roll a one. That's right. Then you definitely have to do it. And okay. if you crit... Or get a twenty, you get to choose who does it. So I did it last time. So yeah, Pace did. So you and I are up, Sean. And I I'm gonna Kenan, go. I'm telling you this right now. Don't cheat. I'm trusting you. Okay. I'm not gonna cheat. I have a. I have. Uh, this is Kenan 2.0. We talked about this before we started recording. I'm a new man. Um, okay. I'm be very kind, and I'm not gonna curse for this whole episode. You already talked about Dan Aykroyd's blowjob, Sean. I wouldn't actually call Dan Aykroyd and what Dan Aykroyd engaged in cursing. I would say. That was a beautiful act between a man and a ghost. Um, and oh, wait! Unless he was breaking a curse, in which case, yes, technically, I think <laughs> How that would be would that decursing. Break a curse, get it? I, Sean, I got a PhD in biomedical sciences, not in busting ghosts. So uh-huh. you're right. <laughs> I'm gonna roll this dice real quick. Okay, I'm gonna roll mine too. Okay. Oh boy, that is a middling roll on my part. Okay. On three. Okay. Okay. All right. One. Two, two, three. three. Thirteen. 13. What the <laughs> what? God damn it. Oh, all the Ghostbusters episode. Oh, I'm so spooked. <laughs> you guys you guys both rolled a 13 on the Ghostbusters episode. Oh. All right, that means that we have to alternate every word. We have word. to do the podcast at the same time. <laughs> the plot. Hold on, hold on. Guys, what's your dexterity modifier? Oh, mine's actually pretty high. Um, I'd say I probably have, like, not superhuman, but I would say I probably have at least a three. Okay, well, what then I guess you, you're Tom? doing the plot because my dex is plus zero. Okay, fair. I think I, since this is, we both rolled a spooky 13, I'm going to do the first half. You do the second yeah, half. Yeah, that works. Okay. That works for me. Okay, cool. All right. Okay, so we smash cut to Peter Venkman, uh, Raymond Stance, and Egon Spengler. All of these three scientists are investigating uh, sort of like spooky paranormal activity, but more specifically, especially in Peter Venkman, played by uh, uh, Bill Murray, in his case, what is it, ESP he's researching? That is correct, Kenan. That is correct. And he, we learned very uh, early that Peter Venkman is a womanizer and a bad boy. He's the bad boy of the group. Um, Raymond Stance is played by, of course, Dan Aykroyd. He is the practical the practical man, and Egon Speng- Spengler is the brain. Um, so if we're keeping score, Peter Venkman's a cute one. I guess, I guess Dan Aykroyd's the muscle and uh egon <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> and egon is uh is the brains so um i guess we could argue that uh ernie hudson is the muscle um i don't know what that leaves dan Aykroyd, i guess is the straight man he's just the normal one uh in this case so anyway either way all these boys well, well we haven't met ernie hudson yet but all these boys are working on paranormal activity uh and they all lose their jobs when they go out to the new york public library uh, in order to investigate what we saw early in the film, which is spooky paranormal activity in the New York public in the library itself, 
uh, in which the card catalog was completely ruined and a librarian was spooked to hell. Because they lose all their jobs, they're like, screw it, let's just start our new small business. We'll go out and get a small business loan and we'll start the Ghostbusters, uh, which will be a paranormal investigation and uh, sort of like a pickup service for ghosts. And so they open up their business in a firehouse, an old firehouse, and they make a bunch, they hodgepodge together a bunch of equipment, including a very, very good ambulance that makes a wee wah, wee wah this noise. This is in between them selling sandwiches to people? Yes. <laughs> yes. Good. Correct. They also uh, make these things called proton packs, which I guess we'll probably cover the science of so we can talk about how protons can destroy ghosts. Um, and on their first call, they turn these on and they... Uh, they take down a spooky ghost called Slimer in a hotel. They put it into a little containment unit, and then they become famous, basically. They're, most of the movie is a montage yes. of them yes. like <laughs> of them running around and picking up paranormal activity, uh, getting blowjobs. They hire... Damn uh, jobs. Yep. Probably not how that would be called, but... Galatio. Galatio? <laughs> that was very good. I'm very proud of you. So they also hire uh, Ernie Hudson, uh, who plays Winston Zeddemore, and he's he is now, we know, the muscle. Uh, so basically, at this point, a woman named Dana Barrett, who is played by Sigourney Weaver, picks them up and says, hey, the, there's a spooky spirit in my apartment named Zul. He's a demigod, worshipped as a servant to Gozer the Gozerian, who's a shape-shifting god of destruction. She doesn't know that, but I think Dan Aykroyd does, and he talks about it. Either way, Peter Venkman, played by uh, played by Bill Murray, uh, basically spends the rest of the movie trying to have sex with Sigourney Weaver and is competing with Rick Moranis to do that. Neither of them are doing that good of a job, but Bill Murray <laughs> is definitely beating out Rick job. Moranis. Yes. Also, Rick Moranis plays like the best weird, creepy neighbor is honestly more pathetic than he is actually creepy yep. that I've ever seen in any movie ever. Yeah, he fucking nailed it. Like he's it just a really so... sad tax accountant. Like it's... yes, which by the way, you guys should look up Rick Moranis's career because he is like one of the most normal people in Hollywood. I think in the world, um, his wife died, which really sucks. And I'm sorry, Rick, that's terrible. It's not a great way to leave Hollywood. But basically, after that happened, he was like, I'm going to take a, hi- a hiatus because I'm a single parent. And then was gone for a little bit and said, nah, I don't miss that at all. I'm good. Yeah, he just like, it was like, honey, I shrank the kids and then no more Rick, Rick Moranis. Yeah, I think he did like one or two uh, voice acting gigs in the early 2000s. And then in 2018, he was on an episode of the Goldbergs uh, and just <laughs> did like a couple lines as Dark Helmet from Spaceballs. And that's pretty much oh it. Oh my God, Spaceballs was I so forgot good. that that was him. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Sir Rick Moranis, great guy. That was before I, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, though, right? Yeah. No. Uh, well, Spaceballs was, but the Goldbergs definitely wasn't. No, no, no. <laughs> right. I meant Spaceballs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, okay. I got you. I'm, okay, with, okay, I'm with you, okay. Pace. All I'm right, with you. All right, all right, I came with you on that journey. All right. Yep, um, we're all on the same journey together. <laughs> yeah, we're all just sort of in the same boat, um, paddling the same canoe, you know? Mm-hmm. So with Ghostbusters, you want me to take over, Kenan? This is my half. Oh. Uh, no, hold on. I do want to get to one thing. Okay. Uh, and that's basically, I think you should pick up where uh, Dana is possessed by Zool uh, because she opens her refrigerator, basically. Uh, and then Lewis, uh, again, played by Rick Moranis, is possessed by Vince Cortho, the key master. <laughs> uh, and they are the heralds of Gozer the Destructor. Yes. Yeah, and okay, I think you should. You could do that. And these two, once they're possessed, are essentially the 
bringers of the like harbinger of death or whatever. So mm-hmm. they are each two of the four horsemen. Yes. The great destructor. And mm-hmm. they are also completely unaware of their previous of like the people they're possessing once they're possessed. Like so Dana right. is not there, Rick Moranis is not there. There um, is no Dana, only Zul. Yes, there's no Dana, just Zul. That's what they mm-hmm. that's what she says. My wife tells Direct me that quote. all the time. I can't tell what she means. Oh, do you think Pace. do you think Ooh. she's dangerous? Who are you oh. going to call? I don't know. I, Bill Murray Bill seems Murray. really busy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. He's fucking not. He lives in he lives in fucking Charleston, South Carolina, and just like I don't know, drinks and hangs out with people. He's like, so close to us. Let's go hang out with him. We we can get him and we can fix your wife. But okay, first we got to right, finish cool. this. First we got to finish the podcast. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. So as this is happening, there's also basically the guy from the EPA who, for all intents and purposes, is the dean of the government who comes yeah, no, over to fucking bust them because they he's get the fired episode. by the dean and now this is the, just the new dean for all of these 80s comedy movies that comes to bust them. And uh, he goes back and forth with Bill Murray basically saying, like, we believe you're in... You've broken all these uh, EPA rules, and we're coming to shut you down. Um, He tells them to go fuck off, and then he comes back with a warrant and shuts down their ghost containment machine. And what happens when he does this is all of the ghosts that they've been busting for the past, like, six months to a year or whatever are now just, like, released into New York. And... New York. As this happens, the key master and the keeper of the keys... Um, mm-hmm. basically Dana and I don't remember Rick Moranis' character's name, so I'm just going to call him Rick. It's Lewis. Lewis. Lewis, Lewis. Dana and Lewis uh, find each other and they hook up and that opens the gateway to the, I guess, other realm where Zul or where Gozer comes to crush everybody. So it's, a, it's between di- between dimensions. They yeah, open between up a, dimensions. A separate dimension. This, this is basically the point where shit hits the fan of the movie. Oh yeah, all hell breaks loose here. Yeah, so they end up going to jail because they're blamed for this crisis, and then the mayor of the city brings them into his office and is like, "Hey, we shit has hit the fan, and we need someone's mm-hmm. help." And they're like, "Hey, we're the Ghostbusters. We're here to solve all of your paranormal crises." Bustin makes us feel good. Exactly. They go. Bustin makes us feel good. Smash cut to the hotel mm-hmm. where uh, to the apartment complex where Dana lives, <laughs> <laughs> and they end up confronting Gozer, mm-hmm. and basically Gozer asks them to choose the form of whatever the destruction will present itself in for all mm-hmm. of mankind. And Dan Aykroyd, Ray, thinks of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yep. <laughs> who is the mascot for this brand of marshmallows and essentially the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is manifested as a giant like titan that starts destroying the city. Yeah, it's it's uh, an attack on titan situation in yeah. which a, a man made of marshmallows destroys New York City. Exactly. We got a real attack on Titan situation here. Mm-hmm. And um, thankfully, the marshmallow man wasn't in water, so he was fine. Yeah. He was a fine marshmallow man. Yeah, yeah, because if he was in water, he would have just completely disintegrated. But <laughs> well, I think that's debatable, and we can talk about that on a different. I guess podcast we can talk about want, that but later, but um, for sure on a different episode. In order to defeat the Marshmallow Man, they decide to cross the streams of their proton packs. Um, so earlier in the movie, uh, Egon warns them: mm-hmm. don't cross the streams of the proton packs because 
all life as you know it for you will end because you will die and it will explode and it will be very Mm. bad and so at the end of the movie they're basically like we have to cross the streams so they cross the streams and they Mm -hmm. blow up the gateway to this different dimension and and also take down the stay puff marshmallow man at the same time (laughs) so they basically save the day they also free dana and lewis from their possession and they become the heroes of tomorrow and today Mm -hmm. Uh, my hero and yours yes yeah and then the movie ends with a catchy song that is going to be in my head for the next five days don't need uh, money don't need fame (laughs) don't need a credit card to ride this train yeah basically such a beautiful that's the end of the movie a beautiful song yeah Um, that's the whole thing what what we did leave out is that there's a lot of bill murray dry humor quips the entire time that are very funny (laughs) yeah there's it's (laughs) most of the movie is just one-off jokes it's very good yeah so that's that's it that is the whole movie yeah, so I I think for this episode, mm-hmm. what we should probably do, we got a lot of good ghost-related questions. Mm-hmm. And, That's true. And, okay. and these ghost-related questions are going to bring up all of the science that we could ever want to possibly talk about with this movie. Mm-hmm. And so what we're going to do is go actually just go ahead and jump into those so yeah. that we can both service you, our great fans, and the science in this film. Yeah, and I think there's just... In regards to actual science, there's far too much in this film to cover in a single episode. So I think sort of springboarding off of those questions is our, our best course of action. Yeah, that's what we were. Sure. Th- we were looking at this movie. And we were like, there's just no way we can cover all the science in a single episode. It's just sure. too chock full. So mm-hmm. Pace, would you like me to read the first question? Yeah, read the first question for me, Kanan. I will do that. And we'll, we'll do a little round robin here. But the first okay. question comes in from... Uh, Heidi, a friend of the podcast, Heidi at Panda Bumha on Twitter. Uh, if ghosts exist, are they affected by gravity? Could I be a space exploring ghost one day? I've been thinking a lot about ghosts lately. Yeah, us too, Heidi, actually. Yes. Uh, yeah, a- actually, I have a fun anecdote about that. I, I, I discovered a new band. Mm-hmm. I've been, it, the, name, the, band, the name of the band is Ghost. It is Ghost. And, and I've really been enjoying this ghost music. And so I've been thinking a lot about ghosts lately. Yeah, I think we've all had ghosts on the brain for at least a solid week and a half or so. I agree. I agree. <laughs> but what about the question, though? I mean, do you think that if a ghost was real, would they be affected by gravity? Well, I don't want to put this question on hold yet, but do I think we need to establish what ghosts are made of first. I agree. We're going to see whether or not they're affected by gravity. I agree. Um, I would say if we could answer a portion of Heidi's question for sure. You could definitely be a space exploring ghost one day because I believe in you and I think you can do anything that you've set your mind to. Well, ghosts are, yeah, ghosts are made of nothing. So you can definitely do that. Are they made of nothing? Wait, so what do you mean by that, Sean? I mean that they uh, do not exist in this plane of existence with us. Well, why don't you come into the space with us real quick and like, what and just tell us what ghosts are composed of well how about how about this Um, instead of saying exactly what ghosts are composed of i'll say that if a ghost existed it would mm -hmm. certainly not need to breathe or experience gravity to be held together so i would i think i would agree with that go through space Um, 
We did get, I'm going to jam one more question in the middle of this so we can answer two in one go, but uh, we did get a question from a friend of the podcast, Linda Hong, at lindissimo underscore K on Instagram, and it was, what are the major biomolecules needed to sustain ghost life? So I think we're looking at sort of a ghost composition question here. Agreed. Um, I think the answer is clear, mm -hmm. and that's that ghosts are clearly made of ectoplasm. Right. For sure. I think they're made of ghostines. Which are ghost proteins? Yeah, Sean? ghost proteins. They're also made of ghost hydrates and mm. um, ghosteds. Which was? This is lipids. What? New, oh, okay, lipids. No, yeah. no spookaic acids in there. Very, very fat ghosts are made almost exclusively of ghosteds. Yeah, so what we're establishing here that is like, that ghosts are made of basically the same things that humans are, but are the, but they're the same type of biomolecules, but ghost versions of those biomolecules. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yes, clearly. Yeah, they're yeah. basically the same as human molecules in every way, except that they start with the word ghost and they don't exist in real life. And no, they're they also do... in incorporeal. Yes. Right. Otherwise, it, this whole thing wouldn't work. So, so I do want to say that uh, there is a lot of scientific evidence out there. Uh, some of it um, purported by Carl Jung, uh, whom Pace will certainly recognize as a psychiatrist in his own right. But Carl Jung uh, <laughs> talked a lot about uh, psychic conditions and how they're related to paranormal experiences. And I think it's generally accepted in the ghost field that uh, ghosts are composed of psychokinetic energy. Uh, and a lot of that is from... Oh, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> a lot of that is manifested from humans who are in distress. So uh, there's a lot of negative energy in an area you can get sort of like poltergeist-like uh, like manifestations. And oh, I think... Okay. Right, and I think when Pace said that ghosts are made of ectoplasm, he kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, I yeah, think yeah. what we're experiencing is either ectoplasm or ghostines or psychokinetic energy is sort of all of the same. They're all the three sides of the same coin, so to speak. And so that, that kind of goes along with the idea that whenever you have a particular human that is very distressed mm. in their mortal existence... They're, they're more likely to leave behind a ghost. Right. Kenan, did you just say three sides of the same coin? <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I, you know what? I can, I can take some ghost talk, but three sides of the same coin makes no fucking sense. <laughs> Listen, we're talking about ghosts here, Sean. So I think to answer friend of the podcast Heidi's question, um, I would say that because they are composed of energy, but... Are, seem to be able to fly that they're not directly affected by gravity. Um, unless you get what... Uh, we're not going to go through the classes of ghosts today, but if you get like a hard ghost, um, those probably would be affected by gravity, like a ghost you could punch. But wait, here, here's the question, though. If ghosts aren't affected by gravity, mm -hmm. okay, why are there any ghosts on planet Earth? They would all just float away like a balloon. Mm, I think maybe maybe they have control of their own sort of position within gravitational space. The other argument you could make is that uh, they experience gravity differently. Uh, maybe they're able to ride gravitons um, like some sort of great cosmic slide um, by which you could just sort of float from planet to planet on your space exploration with ease. Sure. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> does somebody else want to do another question? Yeah, yeah. I'd be glad to read another question. Um, okay. So I think... I think I'm better at bullshit science than I am at real science. <laughs> oh, that's... Uh, I, I wouldn't have said yes before, but now I'm pretty convinced. <laughs> um, another question comes from Alme, uh, Alme of the Rock on Twitter. What is the science behind ghost fucking? 
Mm, interesting. I think we got more than one of these questions. So, Pace, uh, I think this is, as our resident expert on the podcast, I think yep, this is probably me. really right just up in your alley. Um, yeah, I think so. On how to get this, so. Yeah. So, we're talking about the science behind ghost fucking. Correct. And therefore, I think this person wants <laughs> to know, you know, would it be possible to, to, to you know, have the good time with a, someone who has passed beyond our plane of existence? Yeah, I agree. Right? So... So, assuming ghosts are real, I think that, one, you're going to be in for a very cold experience because a ghost is not going to have any blood pumping through its veins. It's not going to have a 98.6 degree Fahrenheit body temperature, right? Oh, it's that's a good point. It's going to be very cold. You're going to be, compo- you're going to be, you're going to be making love with a being that's composed entirely of energy and protons, neutrons, other types of, you know, inorganic <laughs> matter. You so, just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> energy protons and neutrons mm-hmm. yeah yep. just we're gonna keep going okay we're gonna keep going though yeah, so if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna have that experience with 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 a being of that nature then i assume that you're gonna have um i want to guess that you're gonna be at a loss for words it's okay, gonna be a cold experience fit. i think i agree with you if especially could, based on if i, I was just gonna say especially <laughs> based on all of the documentaries and shows and movies that we've seen on ghosts sean go ahead sorry if i could jump in here I wanted mm. to draw from some parallel experiences in the movie to when Dan Aykroyd was experiencing some sort of ghostly interaction. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems in the movie that this was in his dreams, but mm. yes, from what we know about ghosts, can they not interact with one's dreams? Could this yeah, not th- have been a ghostly possession in his dreams? That's true. I think... I think using that same logic, we can probably move forward with saying that you could have sex with a ghost in your dreams based on what you've proposed about possession of ghosts by humans or anything. But also ghosts are able to affect matter. So I think realistically speaking, um, I mean, we saw Slimer hog down a bunch of hamburgers earlier in the movie. That's true. I don't, I don't even I don't see why a ghost couldn't hog down a hog. Oh, God. <laughs> he also yeah. slimed Bill Murray, which I'm not even going to draw that he comparison. Did. But, you know, yeah, we won't do that here because that's maybe too gross for a podcast. Oh, yeah, that's no, too but gross. I, I was under the impression that that ghosts were incorporeal. Then, you know, how how yeah. how Pace, you've seen proof that ghosts can interact with matter. You've seen proof. agreed. Agreed. And, and I think also. We we should we can't get into it on the podcast, but depending on the class of ghost, I mean, obviously poltergeists can interact with the world around them. So yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But I think we need to move on to another question, and I, I think we can knock one right out of the park, uh, just right off the bat, if you guys will permit me. And that's uh, a friend of the podcast, Justin Waterfield at Lunchbox six hundred one on Twitter asked, "Can ghosts and humans kiss?" <laughs> and based on what we said so far, I think yes. Um, you could probably kiss a ghost. I do want to say that Pace went through and answered some of these questions on his own before we met up, and Pace's sure answer did. just says, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you've heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Would we like to hit another question? Yeah, let me, let me, let me. But wait, wait, but, but like, what it going to be like to kiss a ghost? If you're going to be. That's not the question, Pace. Yeah, it's going to be cold. All right. I guess it's just going to be cold. I mean, it could be nice. But you know, why would you want to do that, though? Maybe it's a ghost that you knew. It's a ghost. Yes. It's it's a it's a ghost that you are intimately familiar with. Ghost of a former lover like Ghost in the movie Ghost. That's um, right. Whom Whoopi Goldberg kissed, I believe. So the next question we have is sent in by Heidi, uh, again, friend of the show. And Heidi asks, 
why are EMF readers used to find ghosts? Ghosts obviously disrupt electromagnetic fields. Obviously, that I just realized after reading that 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 is Pace's <laughs> answer to the question. Um, but <laughs> yes, yes, that was Pace answering the question for us ahead of time. Right, but so. <laughs> Jesus, okay. I wasn't expecting the answers to be just right there with the questions. <laughs> just sort of but... right there, ready to go. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Again, to repeat, why are EMF readers used to find ghosts? And EMF readers are electromagnetic field That's readers. Right. That's right. So I, I think you did a lot of research on this, right? Yeah, because I actually looked it up. Because the if you think of like, you know, when I just sit down and think of ghost hunting, the first thing that comes to mind is an EMF reader. Mm-hmm. And I started wondering... The same thing Heidi was wondering is why are EMF readers used to detect ghosts? Do ghosts like manipulate electromagnetic fields? And from what I could find on the internet, which is partially via a How Stuff's Work How Stuff Works article titled oh, How good. Ghosts Work. <laughs> How Ghosts Work. <laughs> um, they have a brief statement saying that people have taken EM readings of quote haunted sites so I guess someone finds a place they go oh this shit's haunted as fuck and then they take an EMF reading and they're like just as I thought it's off the charts so (laughs) I I guess there's been some in the like field of ghost hunting there has been some general consensus that haunted places have weird electromagnetic signals and that uh, okay. is indicative of a ghost being there. I have also the How Stuff Works article also gets into some bullshit of um, how <laughs> basically if ghosts can manipulate electromagnetic fields, they may be able to influence people's perception because our brains are influenced by electromagnetic fields potentially. Ah, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting except for the fact that have you guys ever heard of an MRI machine? Us, us personally, yes. Yeah, you know what a yeah, magnet I'm, is. I'm you know how you know how strong the magnets are in MRI machines. They're mm-hmm. very strong. Yeah. Multiple Tesla. Yeah. Do you know how strong the magnets are in like a haunted house? They're not one. Te- they're not like three Teslas. It's just not. <laughs> wait, wait. Did they give you an answer of how many Teslas? No, no. I'm just saying that like they're not Aww, in Teslas. Man. Like they're not even that strong. So basically, like Tesla is the unit of measurement for a magnetic field, which is an electromagnetic field, and. Right. The argument that they say on this website is that if ghosts can, this is all basically they're quoting theories about ghost interactions, that if ghosts can manipulate electromagnetic fields, they may be able to manipulate regions of the human brain causing altered, creepy, paranormal perceptions, which might explain people's ghost sightings. But that doesn't make any sense because every time no. you get in an MRI machine, you're experiencing magnetic fields that are like thousands or hundreds of thousands of times stronger. And I don't think people document seeing ghosts in MRI machines. So no, they don't. And it's not like it's even harmful to do that. You know, people do that. Right. To take pictures of mm. the brain. So I just wanted to like climb on how stuff's work and just say like, you know, you guys are full of shit, but that's, but it's cool. You know, I appreciate what you're trying to do. It's just uh, do, do better next time. Well, I th- you raise an interesting point too, because I wonder if you could just with a magnet that powerful bust a ghost. Um, like if we had just put, 
the child from the exorcist inside of an MRI machine, would it, would you have busted that? Oh, wait, that was a demon. I apologize. Yeah, that what are you... Yeah, yeah, you demons part. aren't even real, Kevin. What are you talking straight. about? Yeah, I'm sorry. It was very dumb on my part. I apologize. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. Unlike <laughs> ghosts, which are absolutely real. Well, right, we can walk backwards from this. I apologize. Yeah, okay, okay. good. Right. That's fine. Right. But but I, I think, Kenan, what you were getting at is that why aren't all the MRI machines just chock full of ghosts? Because they right. would just be pulling all the ghosts towards them. That's true. Just like your credit cards. <laughs> yeah, ghosts steal your credit cards. Kenan, That's I would right. say the answer to that is that the magnetic field strength goes down the further you get away from the magnet so as oh, long as the point. ghosts don't come within a certain radius of the magnet they're not going to be pulled in but you could definitely suck a ghost out of a person with oh, a, a, an MRI with, machine without doubt Okay, that is scientifically sound you use Gulatio to do that <laughs> stop, it. stop it stop it stop it stop it what is our next question boys okay I think that I know what question we should answer next and that is one from very good friend of the podcast this is a Tori Mackle at Tori Mackle on Twitter. Uh, what is the reliability of ghost hunting instruments like? And are they actually useful scientific equipment? And I think that this begs us to answer the question about the the big old beam rays that oh, they you're use. talking about the proton, called packs. proton packs pace. I'm <laughs> trying to make it easier for the layman. Shut up. Of which I am an expert, by the way. So oh. Well, a proton pack, right? That's what the boys are wearing, right? Mm-hmm. In the in in the movie. So I really don't want to get into like the electrophysics of particle accelerators. Mm-hmm. Why not, Pace? Because I am I'm not really into that right now. We could but do I, yeah, we could do that on a different podcast. I think, and we could. But I mean, I I basically how my understanding of how it works, and you guys can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. But like it it's basically you. You have a particle accelerator, which in this case, it's it's protons. You're accelerating protons, right? Mm-hmm. It's a proton pack, which are positively mm-hmm. charged. And Subatomic you're going molecules. To yes. And you're going to use uh, an, a, like an alternating or, or oscillating magnetic field that can then, that the proton will then get caught in, right? And then it will get accelerated in a circular motion. And then it will get launched once it once it gets to the edge of the device in which you are circulating it, it'll get launched out of the device. Multiple protons will make a literal proton beam. Yes, a proton beam that will then be shot. In this case, at a ghost. Ooh, yes. Well, I do. I do want to point out though, uh, and I don't know. They do call them proton packs, and I don't know how this conversion takes place. Um, but uh, they're they're classically referred to within proton packs as a positron beam. So the idea is that once they leave the proton pack, um, specifically, uh, you're 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 getting a beam of pro- positronic ionized stream of proton energy, and that's direct from uh, the description of the proton packs. There, that that makes sense. Yeah, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure how that conversion occurs um, because positrons are in fact an antimatter twin of our old friend. Uh, uh, of our friends, the electrons, which actually, since positrons destroy ghosts, that would imply that ghosts are electro electronegatively charged. They would have to be, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what the, that's the conclusion that I that I came to, and um, but I, I think it's also worth noting that this is it's probably the most 
realistic part of this film, right? Yeah. The, what, that they're the, walking around with cyclotrons on their back? I disagree. Yes, it probably is. Well, when you say realistic, I get what you mean. Like, the technology, the technology to make exists. a particle accelerator does actually exist. <laughs> hey, there are some pretty small ones. Yes. There's some just small not ones that do exist. sized and portable. <laughs> you are correct. I will say that out of all the science in this movie, other than ghosts, this is this has the most science in it. Yeah, that's for sure. But for yeah. sure. this is basically mimicking something like the Large Hedron Collider, which is like a, I don't even know how big it is, miles? It's pretty huge, yeah. It's Bigger very big. Bigger than a backpack, for sure. Yeah, because the infrastructure you need to actually accelerate these subatomic particles to speeds like that is just like way too big to fit in a backpack, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. I agree. But I, I want to bring backpack, up backpack, the second backpack, item backpack. that they use, which Tori mm-hmm. talks about the EMF readers. In the movie, they call them PKE readers, which stands for cytokinetic energy readers, which yep. I don't know what that is. But uh, Well, I a... mentioned psychokinetic energy earlier in the um, earlier in our description, like earlier in the podcast. Yeah, but I still don't know what it is. Oh, well, I can't explain it. Go ahead. I mean, you did say the word psychokinetic energy. That is, that <laughs> right. is true. I think, if you, I think if you were to review Carl Jung's earlier work, um, never mind. I just think we we should go. Let's keep let's keep going. Okay, but so the EMF readers. Mm-hmm. Tori asks, um, "What's the reliability like of the ghost hunting equipment?" Yes, yes. Um, and from what I found online, the prices vary drastically <laughs> depending on what what EMF reader you're buying. Is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go so figure. It seems like you could buy some pretty cut rate EMF readers and some really top notch ones. Um, I'm assuming the cut rate ones don't actually detect electromagnetic fields and they just have a light that turns on randomly and right. that the ones that are expensive or not probably detect electromagnetic fields but not necessarily ghosts. That's fair. That's that's what I would say based on what Amazon has to offer. One thing that uh, did get mentioned um, earlier on and I believe we have a question related to this and that's uh, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it but friend of the podcast Tori Mackle also asked how much pressure does it take to bust a ghost uh, and they requested to answer in Pascal's, and we can get there in a second, but I do want to answer this and a question about our friend, the MRI, because I think I found some information on how much force you need to bust a ghost with. Um, Perfect. Yes. So, okay. So, according to all the information we have available from various media on proton packs, the, the, there's a maximum power setting for these proton packs uh, at 500,000 megahertz. So... Mm. Hertz is it's in reference to basically cycles per second. So presumably, this refers to how fast our positrons or our protons or whatever you want to call them are uh, running around inside the cyclotron or, or colliding, right? So um, I would assume that that refers to. So similarly, a uh, NMR magnet or an NMR, uh, MRI magnet, whichever you want to uh, uh, refer to, they basically do the same thing. Uh, can also be measured in hertz, and there is an NMR magnet uh, available at uh, the National Mag Lab that does 900 megahertz. Um, it, it's a 900 megahertz magnet, which is roughly two, 21.1 Tesla. Uh, That's damn. super yeah. strong. Yeah, damn. so what we're learning here is that a proton pack uh, is uh, carry the two, um, one uh, over four is a fuckload of Tesla. Uh, riding around on the back of Egon Spengler and his friends, the Ghostbusters. So guess what I'm saying is that ghosts are very powerful. Uh, you can get a very powerful ghost that you would need a lot of Tesla in order to bust a ghost wide open. Um, 
with your and then the uh, ectoplasm gets everywhere and it's yeah. really messy well and i and the crazy thing is they use the proton packs just to immobilize the ghost and then they use their trap which presumably is even more teslas to capture yeah. the ghost that's actually a good point and i would assume that i mean you need enough energy in there to uh, to trap a ghost that already required a lot of energy for you to control with your positron beam. So mm-hmm. that's true. I would agree with you. So actually, I, I rescind our previous statement. I would say that uh, MRIs could probably only bust very small ghosts. Yeah, probably like uh, like a mini Slimer, ghosts. maybe. Yeah, yeah. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna get your big boys. Your big boys are gonna be resistant. Yeah, to your the Gozers, MRI. your Zools. They're they're not even. You can't touch them. Not even well, close. Well, to be fair, Gozer is a class seven ghost uh, according to the the <laughs> can, compendium can of Ghostbusters. Just busting. like clarify something real quick. Since when do ancient Sumerian gods become ghosts? I oh, once they die. Oh, actually, that's a good point. I would assume that when th- when everything dies at some point, it becomes a ghost pace. Um, provided yeah, but, there's enough uh, negative energy surrounding the death of that being. Yeah, yeah, sure. This is assuming that this ancient Sumerian god was not immortal in the first place. Someone would have had to have killed it. Another well, Sumerian god, perhaps. Disney taught us that with Hercules, all you would have to do is make the god mortal and then kill him. And then oh my god, that's true. Ghost. true. <laughs> that's true. You to, that that involves the drinking of some sort of some sort of poison like substance, right? That as much as I love the plot of Disney's Hercules. <laughs> why do you like to move on? Why don't we? Why don't we go back to Ghostbusters? <laughs> Okay, well, how many more questions do we have? Is it a lot? It no, is. No, we're, we're, we're getting to a point where we have served our listeners well. Um, okay. I, I think that the last thing that we should answer is most likely from 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 Heidi at Panabum Ha on Twitter. And this is mm. this is more of a this is more of a biology question than a than, than a ghost question, right? Oh, that's good. But you know the 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 expulsion of a ghost from a human body first requires a body to decompose right or or at least is going to be immediately followed by that sure right i, I would i would absolutely follow you here mm-hmm. so uh, so heidi asks how does a body decompose i'm going to need lots of details please this is a fun question because so the fun. decomposition process of body is very very gross um and and so the the first thing that do you get, the first thing that happens is that is that all you have fluids in your body water and, and blood and uh-huh. and d- tasty things that's mm. all going to leak out and then bacteria going to eat it and those bacteria going to grow inside your body and they're going to emit gases which leads to your body that's going to be bloating just getting real big and gross mm. good and then, blow, blow like a big balloon like a big balloon oh, a body loon a body loon um, and then after that all you're going to have the the bugs and then the bug, the bugs are going to come, and they're going to lay eggs in your body, and they're going to eat it. That's they're true. Gonna eat, they're going to eat your body, uh, and basically, the next stage is, is is called the purge stage, where all the liquid that's inside your body is going to leak out, and it's it's very high in uh, in nitrogen content, so it's going to kill all the grass that your body is laying on. Um, but eventually, because of the nitrogen content, it actually fertilizes the soil, which is kind of cool. So a long time after that, uh, you're going to have nice nice um, planting ground. Hmm. And then the last thing that happens is that any sort of remaining flesh in your bacteria is going to be consumed by any remaining kind of bugs or bacteria, unless, of course, they're vultures, in which case they're going to clear off your flesh in about a couple hours. That's actually true. That's a good point. But I think we need to 
probably operate under the assumption that there are no outside influences, uh, like uh, in, in the form of animals. Um, yeah, sure. So, but uh, the bugs are still there, though, right? We still got bugs. That's true. I think the bugs can still come to the party that you're talking about here. Well, this is all very interesting pace and not gross at all. No, I actually really enjoy the fact that uh, that you brought this up, and I, I didn't know that about uh, the nitrogen content of that is true. The I, I did not corpse. know this either. It is just a yeah. uh, how do I say difficult subject matter to cover sometimes. Oh yeah, for sure. But I will say that it, I have learned today that if I am going to grow legumes, the best fertilizer to use would be a dead body. Because yeah, you'd want to definitely take a dead body. Uh, preferably a, one of a person that you know so that you can know it's the really good juices mm-hmm. that you're going to well, get from that body. Plus, when you get a ghost, you can it, it will be a friend as opposed to just some stranger ex- hanging out see, in your house. Exactly. Yeah. So when you're going to when you're going to kill someone, you're going to have the good spirit next to you. Yeah, you're your bad best spirit. bud Slimer. Yeah, your best bud Slimer. And then best bud Slimer. You got to wait a little bit, but then once that the the nitrogen content goes down a little bit, you can plant those legumes because they have all that good nitrogen fixing bacteria and they'll have a lot mm-hmm. available. Um, to feed I your just beans. all peas. Just give me all peas. You know what I just think? peas and beans. I think Kenan just really likes saying the word legumes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm vegetarian. I, I have to say, I have to love You're legumes. You're basically one giant legume. <laughs> I'm just one bean. But thank you for the question, Heidi. That was yes, interesting pace. That is pretty that cool. That was good. I also found it interesting in looking up some information in this uh, on this that uh, bones actually take, uh, depending on the soil content, not really that long to decompose. I mean... In neutral soil, they'll take about a hundred, hundred or so years. But uh, if you have That's relatively still a long time, it's still, I mean, it is. But realistically speaking, I mean, you know, we think about bones as forever. Bones are forever. That's what we hear from the diamond companies. But the, yeah, Kanye told me that too. In like <clears throat> peaty soil or acidic soil, they can decompose as fast as like fifteen to thirty years. That is pretty interesting. I guess the acidity yeah. breaks down the calcium, dissolves the calcium. Um, I also, I guess this is a little off topic from this, but I do want to bring up one actual science thing that I looked up that no one asked a mm-hmm. question. In the beginning of the movie, Bill Murray is testing for ESP using these playing cards with symbols on them. Yes, These yes. are actual things that a scientist called Dr. Zenner invented in like the early 1900s in order to oh, test really? for ESP ability in people. But the thing is, he published on this saying like, oh, I detected people with ESP. And uh, it turns out that apparently like most playing cards, they can be like easily marked and patterns can easily be identified. And it was just all bullshit. But I guess Bill Murray is still using it in the 80s. Right. So so it was a a real sort of now you see me situation where, wait, that wasn't the counting cards movie. What was the counting cards movie? Never mind. <laughs> Forget I made this joke. Now you sorry, see it was the one where they were magicians that were Yeah, sorry. Stealing. That was the one where they used magic to scam Las Vegas. Do you mean the one with the... Oh, my God. What is that movie? Uh, 21? 21. Yeah. I think it was 21. 21 yes. with, uh, Basically, uh, what I'm uh, saying is that Jim the most inaccurate thing in the movie is that a scientist in the 80s would be using these cards. The existence of ghosts completely, of course, makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the use of these cards in the 80s, they have been widely disproven to be able to accurately identify people with ESP abilities. Well... Well, great job, Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah I know. Great job. Yeah, it's like they Busters were they were so ghosts. good until the ending or until that part. It was just like until you know, the beginning of the movie. Until the beginning <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> they were yes. so, if you watch it backwards, they were really good the whole time until that yeah. part. You know. 
Yeah, if you watch Ghostbusters ba- backwards, it's really just about four guys releasing ghosts into the yeah, world. Yeah, it actually just syncs up with Dark Side of the Moon, yeah. too. It's pretty cool. <laughs> they, they, it syncs up with Dark Side of the Moon, and they release a bunch of ghosts back into the world and then all get jobs at a university. <laughs> yeah, the dean hires them to work at a university. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> I think this conversation has run its course. I agree. We like to get into... Whoa, where did those come from? Guess we're rating the movie and making a lot of ghost noises. Spooky ratings. I ain't afraid no ghost. Why did... Why'd you sound like Jimmy Stewart? <laughs> yeah. All right, Foghorn Leghorn. What, can you uh can you give us some ratings here, my dude? Yeah. Yeah. Um I would like to give the the science in the movie uh oh boy. Um two out of ten. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Or one out of five, I guess. Um, yeah, one out of five makes hey, sense. Hey, pace. Oh. Come on, solidarity. Yeah. Nope. All right, two out of ten. Perfect. Um, I, I I don't think that this movie is very scientific, if I'm being honest with the with the mm. group here. Right. Oh. Um, that's mostly because ghosts aren't real. Well, and um, debatable. The only thing that is kind of real is the proton pack technology, which does the does actually exist in larger forms than existed in this movie. Entertainment. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. Hmm. Um, I did hmm. really enjoy. It. I had never seen it before, up until I still cannot a believe couple <laughs> days ago. Yes, I know. Yeah, that I don't even understand. Well, no one told me to watch it. So, um, and so, I, I guess I'm giving it eight out of ten because. Something about Bill Murray rubbed me the wrong way in this movie. I can't tell what it. I can't well, tell you what it is. I I loved him, but also hated him simultaneously in this movie. He was he was sense? a skis. I get it. I I he, kind of get it. I don't like the skis vibe that he gives off, but that's because mm-hmm. we're also like twenty five years later. So you're you're, no, sorry, you're more expecting like later. Osmosis Jones Bill Murray. You know. Yeah, you wanted nasty Bill Murray, not nasty Bill Murray. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and so with that, I will turn this over to one of you because I'm, I'm, I'm done here. Cannon, should I go? Yeah, I can, go? I, well, I can go next. I, okay, I, I do it, Cannon. Let this. me, let me yeah. hear your ratings. For sure. I think there was a lot of really good science in this film. Um, I think we got solid coverage of, well, okay. So I will say that they did not adequately explain a lot of the science behind the ghost. So it was more like, it was a little bit more like watching planet earth than like watching a actual like documentary on uh, a specific species of mammal. Um, but I'm going to have to, because there wasn't a lot of that science in the movie and because they fucked up so bad with the ESP thing, I'm going to have to give it a one out of five um, for sure. Can I do have a quick question for you? Do you mm-hmm. more, more, more like a concern? You do know Ghostbusters is not a documentary, right? I well, I would agree. I don't think. In a documentary, more is explained uh, in regards to sort of like the the behaviors, lifestyles, uh, preferences of, of ghosts or antelopes. But in this movie, none of that occurred. I would say that this is probably more of a fictional biopic on ghosts and their busting. Um, and as far as the entertainment goes, I think I'm probably going to give it a five out of five because it's very stupid and very good and I love it. All right. Okay. Well, as mm-hmm. far as my take on the documentary film ghostbusters <laughs> um i i mean i'm gonna give the science a one out of uh, one out of ten nope too late you said it. Uh, one out of ten because it's <laughs> you know 
there is no science in their defense. It's not really supposed to be scientifically oriented, but entertainment value. I, I'm going to make a plea to our listeners. Mm. If you have not seen Ghostbusters, finish listening to this podcast and then go to your TV and watch Ghostbusters. It's available on Netflix for free yeah, if you have a Netflix just, subscription. This movie is a watch it. solid 10 out of 10, 100%. I've seen Definitely this movie like 15 times. And it is in no way old. Like, it's a great movie. Yeah, I think it's aged pretty well. Uh, I don't think I picked up on any uh, shitty jokes that would have been cool in 1984, but not definitely not now. Um, there's a lot of movies that we watch where a joke is made, and we're like, oh, boy. You're like, yeah, that would that does not land the same way I that bet it is, used to. That is real bad. Why did people think that was funny? But here, I think most of that is... Uh, most of that is not present. That's that's because, and Sean and I were talking about this, is that this movie was, you know, starting, beginning to pioneer kind of the absurdist humor that we've come to know and love today, and they do a decent job at it. Yes, I so, would agree with that, for sure. This movie is fantastic. Sure. 10 out of 10, go see it. Do we have any other any other sort of, like, fun Ghostbuster-related things that we Just want to say before we round this out? one quick thing before we wrap up. We oh? did put out a poll via our Twitter account in oh, regards yeah. to what you, the listener thought about whether or not ghosts are real Mm -hmm. and actually was a lot closer than I anticipated. Um, Final results being 55% say that no, ghosts are not real. Interesting. Whereas 45% say yes. Um, So, you know, there's belief. That is very Mm -hmm. shocking to me. (laughs) I would also like to think that uh, as one of the things that I think we all pride ourselves on despite uh, maybe some differences in, in what we do for a living and how we use science in our day-to-day life is that we're all science communicators and I would hope that this episode would convince that 55% that ghosts in fact are real um, and can maybe we're all just and you can stop now you can stop we're all this. just trying to bust our own ghosts in our hearts you know? can you, asterisk you don't have to keep doing this Kenan. you don't have to die on this cross asterisk. for us nope I will do it and then I will come back as a very real ghost ghosts are not real if you haunt me kenan i will take your spirit essence and i will trap it inside my dog and you'll live in oscar for the rest of your life i am totally fine with that oscar's adorable do we have do we have anything else oh <laughs> uh, i don't think so maybe we should talk about what movie we're gonna watch next yeah for sure yes so for our next episode which will come out on Drum roll, 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 drum roll. March thirteenth. We are going to be watching the nineteen ninety nine movie action movie Deep Blue Sea. And this was documentary. This was suggested to us by our patron Zach Cope and friend of the show. So Zach Cope, thank you for your suggestion. I hope yeah. the episode is all you ever hoped it would be. And thank you very much for your, your patronage. If you if you guys want to support the show and help us grow um, and hear very, like, a lot of ghost and shark ad- adjacent content um, <laughs> and some science, then you can go to patreon.com and look up the Real Science Cast, uh, where we have a couple of goals that we would like to hit uh, in the coming few months or years or however long it takes. Uh, and grow our show a little bit, get better equipment, uh, come up with secondary shows that we can release on a bi-weekly or a monthly basis, uh, and just sort of, you know, spread the word about good, good ghost science. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, the other thing that you can do is if you want to submit a question about Deep Blue Sea or about uh, science in general, you can go to uh, our Twitter account, which is at Real Science Cast, 
Real Science Cast on Facebook or email us at realsciencecast at gmail.com. And we'll be happy to answer whatever question you want. Uh, if it's particularly personal, we'll probably save it for a mailbag episode. But if it's science or movie related, then you got baby is going in. That's right. Yes. Thank you to Otis McDonald for the use of his song Third Eye Blimp as the intro and outro to our show. Yeet. Thank you to Bill Murray for making the movie Ghostbusters and everybody and else. Space Jam. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in Space Jam. Uh huh. And Lost and Translation. Garfield. Oh. And yeah, Groundhog Day. And Garfield. And Osmosis Jones. And, and Caddyshack. And Garfield. Garfield, Big City Kitty. All right, guys, I think that's it. Uh, my name's Ken Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. Who are you going to call? Michael Pace. Michael Pace. Ken Smith. Oh. Oh, <laughs> whoops. Sean, get your ass <laughs> <laughs>